Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the goddamn podcast. No theme song, no bullshit. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, it's, this one's going to be short. Probably going to be short. And it's probably going to suck as well. Because, you know what? You shouldn't say that. Ladies and gentlemen, you should never do that, what I just did. You know, my mother. God, my mother used to always say to me, just stop telling everybody what they should think of you. Because you have a negative view of what you do a lot of the time. She's, she's exactly right. I used to do my comedy shows. And, you know, she had never even seen me do a comedy show. Not once. Because I started comedy on the down low. Just, just quietly. I was, the, the way that, that people bang in brothels, just keep it quiet. They got a nice wife and, and kids, but, but they're really just, just sexing it up with a pile of men in a bathtub. That's the way I treated stand-up comedy. It's like, no, I can have my normal life and no one needs to know. No one needs to know. But unlike those brothel guys, I did intend to tell people at some point. It's just, you know... I expected them to just find out. Hey, is that Mark with an HBO comedy special? Yeah, th- yeah, that's me. Yeah, no, I know you guys thought I was an accountant, but it turns out I'm a world-famous performer. I-, I used to think dumb shit like that when I was a kid. And uh, they did actually, to- but to be fair, to be fair to me, okay, guys, because I like, I like to be fair to me. I, uh, my family did find out uh, because I won some kind of contest. So my brother was working and some lady who was also a, a, an amateur comedian, she was like, hey, I know your brother. He just won this contest. And he was like, he did what now? Want a thing now? And, um, but I mean, it's obviously no big deal. I'm still, uh, still, I'm still nobody, guys. You know what, though? Are you ever anybody? This is where I am now at 39 years old. Oh, you're Louis C.K. Oh, or you're Bill Cosby. It doesn't matter. Things don't matter. Like, you just not till the very end does it matter. Look at Cosby. Just now he's just a piece of shit. You know? And Louis, I'm not saying that it'll go down for him like that. But it's just one day he won't be famous anymore or he'll be dead. Do you know what I mean? Like, what I'm saying, guys, is it doesn't matter. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try. It just doesn't matter that much what you do. What matters is your family, which is why I'm going to talk about, oh, I should finish the thing that my mom said to me. <laughs> I get sidetracked, guys. You guys know that by now. So um, she used to say, I, she had never seen me do stand-up, and she said, when you're finished your show, if you hate it, don't you say a fucking word. I don't know if she swore at me. That, that's, it was unlike her to swear. So she probably didn't. But I'm throwing that in for effect. Because she knew that if I didn't absolutely love the show that I had just done, I would immediately tell everybody that's exactly what I thought. And uh, people, I'd be like, oh, that sucks. That sucks. I'm terrible. No, no, you guys should come on a, a different night when I'm, when I'm not terrible. But uh, she says, you just shut up and don't say a word. And if people say, hey, good show, say thank you. Right? So it did. And that worked. It really, I, to this day, I fight my nature 
when I don't love my show. People are because people can come up and they'll be like, uh, I was just talking to some some girl. Um, she's a young comedian, and she said she didn't like her show, and uh, they were laughing at the wrong parts. She said they were laughing at my setups, and they weren't laughing at my punchlines. It was such a weird audience. I'm like, hey man, that happens. Weird audiences happen. And then I told her the thing my mom said, and I felt like I felt a little bit weird about doing that. Like I'm. Like, I'm trying to impart some kind of advice to her. I didn't mean it to come out like that, but that's how I felt like it came out. Anyway, she she seemed to take it well. But it was that same thing, so I said that to her. And then, like a fucking, like a prophet, like a goddamn prophet, there was, uh, uh, people came up to her after the show, like a bunch of people going, oh my God, that was so great, you were my favorite. You were my favorite on the show, it was so great. And she looked at me and she goes, wow. I said, yeah, just don't let them know. You don't have to let them know you didn't love it. You just smile and and you don't, like, you can't always judge. I was telling her, uh, I was doing a show with uh, comedian Deborah DiGiovanni. Now, Deborah's a good friend of mine, and uh, she's doing quite well. She's down in Los Angeles. People in Canada, a lot of of people in Canada know who she is. And uh, she's been on TV a bunch. And uh, we're doing a show. Now, when you do a show with Deborah, people people are excited. They, they come to see her specifically. And we're doing a show for university kids. They're like 18 or 19. I don't know. Frosh week. Maybe they're 17. I, I don't. How old are the fucking kids in university? I don't know. And um, so that's because when I went to university, you were 17 years old in Newfoundland. But apparently they have grade 13 in these fucking places up, in, up on the mainland of Canada. So I don't know. I think that they were in university at 18. Anyway, guys, guys. That doesn't matter, okay? That part doesn't matter, so let's just move on. The The kids, they went to see the show, and I'm opening, of course, because Deborah's the, she's the draw, and uh, I do terribly, just silence. And um, then Deborah gets up, and I'm like, well, at least Deborah can save this fucking shit show. And she gets silence. And the two of us are just pissed off. You know, because look, we've been doing it long enough that... When it's a big crowd and you're putting in a good effort and you get nothing from them, it's like, fuck them. You know, people say never blame the audience. Fuck that shit. I blame the audience. Look, if I did the, I did those jokes the night before and people really enjoyed them and now you're doing it and nothing. So we were pissed off, to say the least. And then uh, a funny thing happened. The organizers, they come up, they're so happy. And we were like... I you know I've always I've told Deborah of course my mother's advice many times and she she concurs that's that's how you handle these situations you just you just don't say a word and you, if people like your show even though you can't understand how they would have liked it you go okay thank you so much for the compliment and uh, the organizers they ask can you stay around because all the kids want pictures and autographs with both of you we're like what was that and they weren't kidding. It was almost every audience member. It was a lineup for over an hour of pictures and autographs of me too. They And the kids talking about, oh, it's the greatest thing we've ever seen. So we were politely, as politely as we could, encouraging them to say, okay, so next time you're at a live event, uh, especially a comedy show, you should participate. You know, little laugh-em-ups, little guffaw. Coming out of the old 18-year-old voice box. You know, something. Clap your hands together for fuck's sake. Take your thumbs off the Twitter buttons. 
bunch of goddamn kids. Anyway, that's that's the point, right? You never you never know. So I shouldn't have said this podcast is gonna suck. All right, that's that's a long that was a long winded uh, way to get back to that point, but that is the truth. See, the reason that I even postulated that this was going to be one of my lesser podcasts is because I'm daddy daycare now and it's killing me. Oh my God. Like the first couple days, not so bad, but, uh, and today was fine. It's just, it wears you down because you don't have time to do. You just don't, you can't do anything. And I don't mean things you want to do. I'd like to sit down and have a beer and no, not, not that. You don't have time to wash a dish. You know, he's he's messing up one dish. You're trying to cram some food in his face. And then you don't have time to even put that plate in the sink. Otherwise, he's diving head first off the couch just to his death. Today, he fucking banged his head on, a, on the coffee table. because I went to turn off the stove. I'm trying to cook the little bastard some, some goddamn adamame. I don't know how you pronounce it. My wife told me to cook adamame. I didn't know what it was. I ended up cooking him some corn because what is it? It's like green soybeans. Adamame. It doesn't. It didn't sound tasty, and I had one. It wasn't tasty. He had a few. He spit them right out, and I don't blame the kid. Anyway, I'm cooking adamame, and it's boiling over because that's what you're boiling some water, going all over the fucking stove. So. And the stove was beeping, like, beep, we're done, beep. I'm like, I know, stove. I'm trying to I'm trying to care for my child. So he seems like he's in a safe area. He's playing with one of his toys over by his little Montessori station or whatever the fuck my wife has set up. And then I, uh, I run into the kitchen. I swear to God, I wasn't in there more than five seconds. Boom. This is what I turn around. He's somehow made it all the way across the room and smashed his head on the coffee table. I, by the sound of it, he got he must have climbed onto the couch, which I, previous to this point, I had no idea he could do. Climbed onto the couch and banged his head off the coffee table on the way down to the floor. I, I find him in a heap, just a heap. Now I should tell you before you're you, you're you're upset with me. He's he was fine, you know. Um, he cried for he cried hard but only for like 30 seconds. There were no visible marks or bruises. I didn't, there was no cuts, no anything like that. So whatever he did, he, it must have been an okay fall, you know, unless, I don't know, maybe he's got a pile of broken ribs. I don't know, but he didn't seem to manifest any uh, problems directly after. But I, you, I couldn't leave for a second. One second. He just, he bolted. To, to his peril. Jesus. And this is, that's the thing. Half of it is the stress. Because you're, you're running around. You're, you're trying to make sure he's okay. And like it, it's so mentally draining. You know, people always say, oh, stay-at-home moms is the toughest job in the world. And, and uh, you know, whereas I don't think it's the toughest job in the world. Don't get me wrong. But I know what they're talking about now. When my... My first um, thought was, man, oh, man, how are stay-at-home moms not ripped? They should all be fucking fitness models with the amount of calories they're burning trying to keep these kids safe and fed and keep the place 
not rat infested by leaving food everywhere. Like these these women, they must be burning three thousand calories a day. It's crazy. How come they're not all that fit? And then uh, day like three, four, I'm like, I know why they're not fit. Cause you're just cramming shit into your face because you're starving all the time from the physical and the mental energy. So, and you, you look for the most calorie rich food you can find. My buddy stayed with us this weekend and this son of a bitch left a whole crate of delicious baked cookies. And, and then he took off. What am I not going to eat? I'm just, I'm jamming them down my throat while I'm holding him in one arm, not my friend, my baby in one arm. And I'm just stuffing cookies down my throat. And I'm like, this is how, even though, like my Apple Watch today. Yeah, I got an Apple Watch. I'm one of those guys. I got my Apple Watch today says I've taken 12,000 steps. Now, my before, when I used to be just, you know, a regular uh, stand-up comic, a lot of times my Apple Watch would tell me I had 2,000 steps. So this is a lot more steps. But I am clearly, I'm getting fatter by the minute. You can see it. The gut is just the exponential growth of the gut. And it's because you just, you're just shoving whatever you can find in your face and you're always hungry. I'm hungry now. My wife thought when uh, she was not at work, she would say, it must be the breastfeeding. I mean, I'm just so hungry all the time. It's like, no. It's, just, it's the physical and mental fatigue of chasing around this child. Now, guys, now let me, let me just put it out there. Uh, that it's not all, you know, gloom and doom, all right? It's not all mental, mental, mental and physical exhaustion. Do you hear that? Do you hear how crazy I've gotten? It's not all mental and physical exhaustion. It's, there's also joy. There's also such love. Everybody, such love. I mean, it is actually, it's nice, you know, we, I, I mean, the baby, we go to the park in the morning. Then we come home. We give him some dinner. We go We go to a drop-in center. I'm trying to find a way to go to the gym and give, give him to the daycare at the gym. But it's just it's tough with his nap schedule and his food schedule. You don't. Like it, it is. It's nice. And I we still could send him to daycare. My wife said to me today, again, are you sure you don't want me to call the daycare? centers and see if someone can squeeze us in and i'm like i'm not sure but i am i i i want i want to take care of but i'm i'm afraid i'm afraid i'm gonna fuck it up that's the thing like today when i'm after i made his anime i wanted to make him some corn something decent to eat because i like corn sweet sweet baby corn oh sweet baby corn so i uh I had to go boil that too. Now, when I finished boiling the corn, I no longer had the strainer. I'm like, where did I lay this strainer? I had laid the strainer over on the kitchen table next to the boy. So I go over to grab the strainer. But of course, I have a pot of boiling water in my hand because, yeah, why put that down? What could possibly go wrong? And I go to get the thing and I fucking stumble a little bit. And I spill a bit of the water. Now, luckily, it hits me, all right? I suppose if it was really lucky, it would have hit no one. But luckily, it hit me as opposed to my son on the leg. And it burned my leg. Not a lot. It's not, I didn't ever go to the hospital or anything. Just a little tiny friggin' droplet. 
because it's boiling water. So even one droplet will burn you. Now, what if I had fucking spilled it on him? Honest to Christ, and sitting there going, oh, it's better if I don't send him to daycare because it'd be better with his dad, even though it burnt his face off. So much better to have him home with his dad. Like, for fuck's sake, right? Like, this, this is the problem. You know, it's not my wife home raising the child. It's me. I'm not good at domestic things on my own. You know, I can't make food well. I can't do anything well. And so he's, so not only do I have to take care of him, I have to learn how to do the shit that everybody already knows how to do. Like to not bring a pot of boiling water close to a baby. Like who the fuck does that? Me. Jesus H Christ. But it's been going great guys. Let's, let's not, let's not take it too far. I'm just letting you know. The struggle. The struggle is real. You know, people who send their kids to daycare, I mean, I tell you what, I can see why you do it. I am currently doing laundry. I uh, put in a load of laundry, came down to the basement, the parking garage, to the Toyota Prius recording studio. Now I'm recording the podcast while I wait for the wash to be done so I can transfer to the dryer cycle so then I can go upstairs, maybe clean our pig sty of an apartment because I can't do anything. I can't do anything. The podcast is two days late because we got back from Ottawa on Sunday and I haven't had time to take a shit. You really don't have time to take a shit. That's not an exaggeration. What you have to do is bring the child into the bathroom with you and shit. He starts every morning watching his dad shit. Is that any way to live? Really? You know, and me, and then you switch the camera around. Then there's me just on a toilet trying to shit and shaking a toy at the boy to try to entertain him. <laughs> Do you like this toy? Oh, just let me shit. It's so glamorous being a parent. So goddamn glamorous. But yeah, we got back Sunday from Ottawa. We had a birthday party for him. It was really for us, of course. A one-year-old doesn't give a shit about his birthday. It's so that we can take some pictures and then show him in a few years. Hey, hey that was your first birthday. And I'm like, I don't care. We're like, but we do. Remember, you were so small and you had little toes. And I'm like, guys, you're creeping me out. Like, oh, I know. And then your dad burnt your face off. Remember? There was a lovely, you know, party. There was a lot of kids there. My, my, my sister's got four kids. My brother's got two kids. That's six kids. Then you got two, four, six adults, including me and Sarah. Oh, and Sarah's brother and his wife. That's eight adults. And Katrin, Sarah's friend, came over. Nine adults. And Katrin brought Tristan, her son. So another child. So we're talking this big. Even though it was really only immediate family and and Katrin and Tristan, who are close, very close to Sarah and me. But, you know, she's known them longer. Well, not Tristan. I've known that baby just as long as Sarah has. Me and Tristan have the same relationship. But me and Katrin, we don't go back as far. 
It was nice. You know, like a lot of babies, they get overwhelmed. They ball. He was good. He didn't uh, he didn't cry. We gave him a cupcake. First time in his life he, he ever had sugar. I mean, of course, he's had sugar from fruit and, uh, you know, smoothies and things like that. We've get, He's had sugar, but he hasn't had, like, processed, you know, white granulated sugar where they uh, in a cupcake. So there's... It, he grabbed this cupcake, and the first thing he did is just moved all the icing off it. Because that, he didn't like the feel of that. And then he just shoved the entire cupcake in his mouth. He didn't he didn't spill uh, a, an ounce of the cupcake. He got every morsel in his mouth. He was like, guys, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. We thought he'd be bouncing off the walls, but he, but he didn't. He took it really well. He was like, could I have another cupcake? And I felt like giving it to him, you know. But I'm pretty sure he would have thrown up. So I think we made the right call. Just had the one cupcake. Le- you know, later that evening, he did find another hunk of cupcake on the floor, which he ate. At least we we hope it was a hunk of cupcake, not some kind of giant bug. But it was a great little party. And that's what life's about, guys. You know, and it's, this time doesn't last forever, everybody. It doesn't last forever. Your baby's going to get older. You know, so yeah, you don't have time right now to do a little laundry or take a dump. But these are special days. And then at one point he'll be in school. Then you have all kinds of time. And then they move out. Move out and marry some lady. And then you're sitting there going, what happened? What happened? Didn't we have didn't we have a family once? No. Now the house is so empty. All that shit. So, you know, you got to appreciate it. You got to appreciate it. Although there are times I would like more room. You know, I've been talking about the houses and that there's no way to buy a house in Toronto or really Canada at this point because it's ridiculous fucking housing bubble piece of shit. And, um... I feel like our place is getting crowded. You know, there's just nowhere to put anything. He's got a stroller now, and he's got a little race car that's like a little stroller, but it's cooler. It looks like a little Corvette. We bought that thing, and he loves it, which is great because he doesn't love the stroller. So it was nice that he gets this little Corvette because now we can just take him to the park, take him back, and he doesn't complain half as much, which is nice. But listen to this fucking thing, if you will. Now... The Corvette, while not really small, it's smaller than the stroller, of course. Strollers are fairly big. And we live in an apartment building. There are three elevators. The elevators are decently spacious, you know. Uh, But instead of my wife, she was taking him him down to the park. And um, no, she was coming back from the park. Let's get this story straight. Now, she and this lady are on the elevator together on the first floor. They get on at the first floor. Sam is in his red car. Sarah's next to him. And then this woman gets on. Now, this is a heavy woman. Now, I will bring... I, I only say that. Listen, don't, don't crucify me. All right? I only say it because it is pertinent to the story. It is a detail you need to know. This, it's an ironic detail. Because what happens is she's a large, a large woman. She has taken up a great deal of the elevator, which 
I have no skin off our nose. You know, we don't. That is not a thing that we care about. We're all in this together. We live in this apartment building. No big deal. The reason is because what happened was they the the elevator starts to go up and then it opens up on like floor number four. All right. And there's this guy on floor number four who was about to step on the elevator, but he he doesn't step on the elevator because he wants to go down and he realizes the elevator is still on its way up. But the heavy lady, that's her floor. That's why it stopped there coincidentally. So she's getting out. Now she misinterprets that the guy that the guy is not getting on the elevator, not because he realizes it's going up, but she thinks he's not getting on the elevator because he feels there's no room in the elevator. You know, even though she's getting out. And she says to him, I know that thing or that car takes up the whole elevator, something like that. And then the doors close. And the guy like gives Sarah a face of like, what? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Now, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't tell that story that well, but you guys get the point, right? Like this fucking, this lady who ironically is taking up most of the elevator, is criticizing a one-year-old child for being in the elevator. Which, and if it had been a stroller, he can't walk. He has to have a device to carry him around. So if it had been a stroller, the stroller would have taken up more room than his little car. So, like, it's just, it boggles the mind. The types of people in this fucking world. Like we, here we, and, and I mean, you know, of course, of course what you, you, where your mind immediately goes is you. Are you serious? You? Anyone saying this would be being an asshole. But you saying this is confusing. It is the definition of irony. You just... And so I'm, I'm saying to my friend, uh, Simon, Simon likes to come by to see the baby. He's a big fan of babies. And, um, and Simon's a veteran, veteran of the world, veteran comedian. He's been doing comedy over 30 years. Maybe it's over 40 years. I don't know. Let's just go with 30. And uh, so I say to him, hey, here's what just happened. And he was like, yep, that's people for you. I'm like, but what do I say? And he said, well, obviously, with this woman, if, ever, if it ever comes up again, you can't address her weight. I'm like, this is my point. This is why I'm asking you. I, I can't say the thing that an, an asshole like her would say, probably. I can't go down asshole road. I don't want that. That's the whole, that's the whole point. How do you address somebody like this? Instead of saying the thing that would be hurtful uh, and, you know, some people would think justified, whereas I don't, then you're as bad as her, you know? Maybe worse. So I said, what do you say? And Simon said, oh, he goes, in situations like that, what I say is, oh, what you need is the private elevator. You should contact the management about that. I was like, that is it. That's exactly what you fucking say. Because it conveys 
You don't, you, you left her weight out of it. You just, you just said this, we all live here. We all have access to this elevator. That's the contract we've signed in society that you don't own an elevator. Unless you get a private fucking elevator. You dumb piece of shit. Ah, God damn it. Some people. It's the kind of shit I'm going to have trouble with. You know, I... People acting like this, I mean, it's bad enough if they're like that with an adult. But when you're talking about a baby and a, or a child or a... Oh, my God. And if, it, and if it's a man, you know, you know things can get worse. You know, all of a sudden there's pushing and shoving. You know, I got the bad bones. I got to get these bones together. I'll tell you what. As you may know from my last podcast, the treatment is phosphorus for what I have. They're effervescent. It's not an easy word to say, guys. Effervescent. Effervescent tablets. Sodium phosphate. And uh, they're delicious, actually. They, they put a little orange flavor in them, and they're so good. They're like, they're like those little Eno tablets. You know, you, you guys know what effervescent is, right? You, you put it in the water, it goes, psh, and then you drink it, and it's this nice little bubbly orange. It's very nice. And um, here's the problem. The world is out of them. I kid you not. The one treatment for my bone disorder is just an electrolyte supplement that they sell over the counter at pharmacies, and there is currently, at least in Canada, a nationwide shortage because this company, Novartis, used to make it, and they they supplied it to everybody. They just stopped fucking making it because why not? Mark Bennett's bones are falling apart. Fuck them. Let's not make another goddamn thing. So they discontinued their fucking product and now there's only one other company that makes them and they're a little company so it's back ordered all across canada since april guys it's fucking august and i i'm i'm gonna be running out of my pills in like three days jesus h christ can i not catch a break you know i know i know these are first world problems they're not they're not it's just not a first world problem to have to have your bones falling apart. That is a regular problem, guy in Kuwait. Yeah, my wife was just listening to my podcast and uh, she was saying, you know, it was funny when you were saying first world problems and you were talking about a guy in Kuwait. Kuwait, people are super rich there. I'm like, not all the people. So if you are Kuwaiti and you're uh, you're super rich, you know, I apologize. However, don't tell me there's not a large discrepancy between the rich and the poor in Kuwait. It wasn't that Gulf War. That wasn't too long ago. I'm sure there's still some bad areas. But guys, look, I don't know anything. All right? I don't know anything. That's why I'm a comedian. Comedians aren't supposed to know anything. If you know things, it ruins it. You can't make jokes about stuff if you know the answers. You know? Anyway, that's it for this one. I told you guys. I told you it was going to be short. All right, I, my laundry's done. I'm losing my mind. But I, you know what? I, I, I think that I feel like a rhythm is coming. 
I feel like it were. Is this? I wanted to to make sure I got this one out now. It's Tuesday. You don't want to wait till Wednesday. Normally, I, I put one out on Sunday or Monday, and it's already Tuesday. I wanted. I just wanted to get one out, and then establish a bit of a rhythm because uh, you don't want your whole life to go away, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, you wake up, you know, four years later, and the kids in kindergarten, and you're like, "What? Wait a second. Wasn't I doing a podcast at one point? So it's we got it in. You know, I, I uh, I hope it didn't suck. You know, I shouldn't have brought it up again. I shouldn't have brought up the whole guys. Just, just don't judge yourselves. Just put your stuff out there. You know, don't don't read reviews. Don't try to evaluate whether or not this what you're doing is worth doing. You'll go crazy. Oh, wait, before I go, guys, I don't know why I said wait, as if you you were going to hang up or something on me. Um, it's like Aziz and Zari. All right, this guy's putting out uh, Master of None. Now, this show has been critically acclaimed. It has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I recommend it. If you want, If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Uh, he's done two seasons. I'm not sure if he's ever going to do a third season. You know, he and his friend, they just, uh, they wrote, uh, they wrote it. And, um, they, I think really the strongest part of the show is, uh, Eric Wilhelm. I've heard he's from the, the Tim and Eric great show. Good job or whatever the hell that show was called. That super surreal, crazy, weird show. Uh, that guy's in it and he's freaking fantastic. And here's the thing is I think the show's good, you know, but I don't think it's the genius everybody thinks it is. And I know Aziz, you're probably a longtime listener of the podcast. So don't get me wrong. What you've done is good. And some of the episodes, like the one where um, the black lesbian comes out of the closet to her mother and they do it in a series of uh, Thanksgivings over over the like a couple decades, like that's just, that's, that was really good. That was a really good way to tell that story. Uh, and the, the one where he did with Indians on TV. I mean, that's another great, it was another great episode and certainly something that needed to be done. You know, the, the way that, uh, that people from India are portrayed on TV is often very offensive. And I, don't blame him one little bit for putting out, and it's a hilarious episode as well. So good, and so he said a lot of things about culture, race, you know, bigotry, uh, acceptance, and uh, but at the heart of it, what it mostly is is like a romantic comedy. Is it? And I'm just, I don't know, guys. I just, it bores me. I write the the thirty something single. You know, everything's about some hot girl or some cute girl who's quirky. But either way, she's hot. She's like a twelve out of ten, no matter what she is. Oh, she's got a weird skirt on. She's kooky. Oh, look, she wears glasses and tucks her hair behind her ears. She's fucking amazing looking. It's always some guy. Guy is varying looks. As he's in Zari is like a, he's a he's a guy. I wouldn't call him attractive or unattractive he's a man and of course the ladies in the show are breathtakingly beautiful and it's just him having all these romantic well there's something even i got sucked into a few episodes you know with the butterflies in your stomach oh my god this is so there is he gonna get the girl is she, is she gonna like him 
And I just, but then after like two episodes of that, and I'm like, I'm bored to shit. I really don't care about, especially young people's love. Yeah, it's just, it just, on TV, it's like everything. It makes sense, though. The people who write movies and TV are just younger people or they're single people or they're pining for something. But it just bores me. The whole thing, like, Harry Met Sally. Yeah, all right, we did one. Let's everybody just leave it alone. All right, that's it. We did. Tom Hanks did a few. Harry Met Sally came out. Let's just stop doing, you know, I'm I'm single and I just can't find love. Blah, blah, blah. It just fucking... Anyway, my point is, I don't think it's as critical... It, it, I can see why critics would say it. Give it a positive review. I Like, if someone were to ask me, is with thumbs up or thumbs down? If you're just going that generic. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Of course, I'm going to go thumbs up. But... The, the the amount of of praise this is getting, I feel is just overshooting it a little bit. You know? I mean, there's no doubt some of the episodes are tackling some some great issues and they do it well. But overall, it's really just about a single guy chasing around girls. And I'm it just bored. Single people's idea. That's right, everybody. I'm gonna tell you. As a married man, all right? But you know what? I really thought these things before I was married. But now that I'm married, I can say them with confidence. They, these television shows and movies where either single people are writing them because they're all fucked up about it or they're pandering to an audience because they think oh, this is what audiences want to see. Like Their version of what romance is is so askew. They just, they have no fucking idea. It's, everything is magic and butterflies. You might as well watch Harry Potter. Like, things things aren't this... And this is the problem. I was, I was reading an article with Aziz and Zari, and he's talking about how his career is going great, sure, but his personal life is so fucked up. It's like, yeah, because you're looking for some kind of Shangri-La, buddy. You're looking for... like. Now, uh, to be fair, H. John Benjamin was in a few of the episodes, and he's a longtime married guy in the episodes, and he says some stuff about being married to the single character of Aziz Ansari, and a lot of that stuff was really good. But the problem is, is like the show is not listening to the advice that one of the characters in the show gave the show. The show just, it's like it hits that common denominator. It's like, oh, girls are special, and I want to be have a special girl, but it's got to be perfect. You know, it's just, uh That's not, it's not what love is, man. You know what, you know what real love is? Guys, let me tell you something. From a parking garage in Toronto, Ontario, from a stand-up comedian who is a stay-at-home dad and is exhausted and tired. I'm full of gas from my phosphorus pills. That is a side effect. Here is what love is. It's a partnership, you sons of bitches. There are ups and downs, and of course you love the person, and you find them attractive, and you want to have intimate relationship things with them. Okay? That's all part of it. But a bigger part is that you're, you're in life together. You get someone has your back and you got someone's back. You operate as a unit. Sometimes you raise a little 
little goblin who gives you a hard time in the day because his mom's back at work and he misses her. But that's what it is. It's not this immature infatuation that the TVs, the TVs are trying to get you to believe in. They, they're just trying to sell you shit, guys. They're trying to sell you the ideal. They're trying to sell you products. They're trying to, they're, all, the, all the product placement and the marketing, it's all about your dollar. They're trying to sell you, and, and then people, I guess all these people getting divorced and all these things, they, they're, looking for, they're, they're looking for that magic that they're watching on TV. And I'm not saying life doesn't have some kind of magic. It does. But life's also a grind guys you gotta grind it out you gotta do your laundry while you're doing your podcast and then go upstairs and try to scrape a pile of adamame off the floor that's what life is that's what love is it's it's a grind and it's meaningful and it's something you should have and it should get better and stronger with time and these, all these TV shows with all their critical acclaim where it's boy meets girl. Guys, fuck off with that shit. It's boring. It's trite. It's not real. You're like, well, Mark, why, you, you want us to put on the TV show that you're talking about? Where you grind it out and there's some ups and downs and you guys are a, a partnership? I agree, that sounds boring. But there's got to be some way to tell that story that's not the fucking magic town where some Italian lady who's hot as fucking shit is uh, staying over at Aziz's apartment in the middle of a snowstorm. This really happened in the episode. And all these romantic things kept happening and they end up sleeping in the same bed together but they don't do anything. But clearly there's a connection. It's like, I'm looking at Aziz. Aziz, buddy. I'm not shitting all over you. You're doing really good work, my friend. Good work. It's just, I don't know. And how, how can I blame him? Listen to the reviews he's getting. But I feel personally, you take the, you take the foot off the gas of that, of that, I don't know, immature infatuation shit. Come on, man. Like you proved with those episodes about the coming out and the Indians on TV, you know, you proved you can write some high-level shit. So let's not do this, uh, you know, Ross Rachel fucking shit, man. All right. Turns out the podcast uh, wasn't short after all. Because it went down a goddamn rant. It went down a goddamn rant about love. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys, you probably, you probably learned a lot. You probably learned a ton about about real love from a guy who's been married at, I think, seven years? I don't know. I think it's seven. See? That's what love is. You don't even know how long you're married. All right? I got to go up and get some fucking laundry now. Thanks for listening. This is Mark Bennett. Mark Joseph Bennett. I said shut up, guys. Good night. I'll talk to you soon.